This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by the Barbecue Institute. Take your barbecue to the next level with the Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food science and smoking secrets to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Visit BBQInstitute.com and register for classes today. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you'll really, really love. Grilling with pellets. Green Mountain Pellet Grills are the top of the line, best of the best, but not the highest in price. And be sure to check out all of their flavor rubs, sauces, and pellets for the Green Mountain Grill all on their website. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to peruse the entire product's portfolio. And buy Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets, two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that perfect combination of BTU burn and sweet succulent smoke you're looking to get all over your meat. A wide variety of flavors, so please go to the website to check it out and get yours today. Barbecuers Delight, which is bbqrsdelight.com. Greg Grinch, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, brother. How you doing? I am doing outstanding. <laughs> Chadley Von Ward, what's up, brother? Dude, it is, uh, it's cool to have you on the show, my friend. Uh, it's my esteemed pleasure to join a colleague in the Internet Radio Barbecue Annals of History. Yes, and, uh, and you are the pioneer. Well, if you say so. And, and that's one of the questions I have for you. Is you're, we, are we playing back? I don't think so. Does anybody, uh, hold on, let me check here. It, it's playing back in my ears, but maybe not... Hold on. No. I hear back in my headphones, but I don't know if anybody else is hearing. I I'm I I sound uh you sound clean. I sound clean to me. All right, let me let me ask in chat. Everyone clean. 
I am uh, I am hoisting a Bud Light in your honor. I never drank during the week, but one year anniversary, so uh, I am hoisting oh. the beer to you, my brother. Absolutely, hoisting. You know what? I I saved one last shot of whiskey for when Greg Grimpy came on the show. Oh, cheers, cheers, my friend. Heartwarming. Uh, I I uh, lift to you, my brother. Excellent. Mm. So, Greg, I wanted to have you on tonight. And the main reason is, you know, as me and you have talked about in the past, I've got a lot of respect for you for just kind of seeing this barbecue radio thing out. And and you didn't have a, an entry like I did of being a competitor or anything else. You just and then the thing I think the listeners want to know is what made this happen? Why did you decide you wanted to get into barbecue radio? So the unsexy story of it all, unfortunately, is that my wife bought me a smoker. It'll be probably five or six years ago, uh, Father's Day. And I didn't know anything about it. It was Weber Smoky Mountain. And so I went on the Googles and found the Virtual Weber Bullet website. And after a good one or two months of posting, in private, I was chastised by the owner of the board saying that I was asking too many questions so on and so forth. Now, to me, I'm like, well, it's a forum. You're going to ask questions, right? But evidently, there was only a, a, a minimum amount you could post during the course of a day. And I said, well, you know, screw this. I'm going to start my own forum. So I did, and it was horrific, and it was on a free software platform, but kind of grew, and I was soliciting people from other different forums and websites to kind of come on and lend legitimacy to it. And you know, uh, Chad, you're in sales. I'm in sales during the day. So you have to find ways to differentiate yourself from competitors if you have competition in the marketplace. Obviously, there's a lot of um, barbecue forum competition. So I decided it would be of interest to start podcasting. And that's how the show started six, seven years ago. It was just fully, you know, pre recorded. I edited down audio. It was a 20 minute thing. And that's it. And then. It, that started to gain popularity. So what's the best way to differentiate yourself from there? Instead of podcasting, let's do a live internet radio show. And I hooked up with a guy named Sam Hassan. It'll be five years ago in February, who was starting LA Talk Radio at the time. And I was connecting in remotely to Los Angeles. And I was doing now a live version of the podcast show. And it was it was strictly in in means to differentiate myself from what was existing out there to push the envelope and see if it would take. And almost five years down the road, here we are going strong. Uh, the live listenership continues to build. Uh, download listeners uh, continue to grow. So, uh, you know, I'm just happy doing it. And if I didn't have any sponsors, I'd still be doing it every Tuesday because I love talking to people, uh, kind of getting in their head, seeing what it's all about, and then exposing people to different stuff, when it kind of makes sense as well. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. You know, and, and that's that kind of drives home the just the love of barbecue. And, you know, an, another guy that used to be very kind of rampant in the social media barbecue was JM from Celebrity Grill. Yep. And, and he had a kind of a similar story of I just wanted to learn, and I figured the best way to learn was just to create a format. And, and it kind of worked for him. You know, but I, I think you've done such awesome things with, with with your show. I mean, it's I mean, the the way I picked up on it was just through searching. And then I listened to one show. I was like, all right, cool. I listened to another show, listened to the third, fourth. And I was like, 
All right, I'm just going to download all the archives. And even those poor podcasts you talked about, Greg. Oof. Brutal. <laughs> you got to start somewhere, brother. So I took that and I was like, and I got to say, and this is probably going to be my one, like, Homer pansy thing I've said of the whole evening, <laughs> is around the, the fourth or fifth episode I listened to, I was like, could you imagine if I ever got invited to, to talk on this show? If I ever became a guy that could cook good enough to maybe talk to this guy? And then we went back and forth talking after that before I even came on the show because I, I just enjoyed what you were doing. There there are huge nuggets of information, especially in the roundtable. Yeah. And I would say that's what led to the creation of my show was when Daryl from Barbecue Superstar said, you know, hey, do you want to do a show? I said, you know what? I really love the roundtable things that Greg does. What if I could maybe not get four people on every week, but maybe get one guy on or two guys on every week and really break down every category, but also make them approachable, you know, cause, cause it's, it's like I've said on the show before, if you see a white, uh, 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 Mike Richter from chick swine and bovine, yeah. you sit there and go, man, this guy's won five G the last six contests. He's cooked. I'm not going to talk to him. But if you listen to him talk to me like a friend for 60 minutes on the radio, you're going to go, that's an approachable guy. You know, and, and, and even if just some newbie goes over there and says, hey, Mike, I heard you talking to Chad on the radio. That's somebody else that they've got exposure to. I mean, did, did that ever kind of enter your mind as this thing kept growing? You know, I think I caught it at the right time to where, you know, there probably wasn't anybody that was too big it was still, you know, infancy six years ago, and it still is if you're looking at it realistically. And for yeah. me, it was like, you know, my biggest get, I remember when I was doing the podcast, was Stephen Reichlin. And, yeah. but, the, you know, the bottom line is this, you know, you went on the website, you found his email address, and, and it took the courage to blast an email off and thinking to myself, this guy's, you know, it's probably not even going to make it to him. It's going to be some hack that's going to filter it out. But I got a response back from him in two or three hours. We had set a date, and, you know, we had recorded the show all within a, a two-week span. And I was like, wow, you know, if it's that easy to get him, then it should be just as easy and even more fun talking to the people that are trying to attain a Stephen Reichland-type level or be a team of the year and trying to do it on a consistent basis. So it's still exciting for me to, to land you know, uh, even guys that I've talked to down the road, if they're having an exceptionally good run of it, like uh, Three Eyes, uh, Three Eyes Barbecue, mm. you know, I want to talk to those guys because they're winning, and it, mm. it, it never ceases to amaze me how humble even the the most successful pitmasters are. They never want to, never want to say the wrong thing, never want to do the wrong thing to potentially jinx themselves and cost them, you know, a decent finish next weekend. So that's that's just exciting for me. And it kind of feels or fuels my old wannabe sports center guy too, because I can talk to him in a sports sense, but we're talking about something that we all like in a culinary world too. Absolutely. And I would say that the the one that sticks out to me and the guy that you seem to have two people you seem to have the best banner with that are big names to to lock down for a show. 
One is Rod Gray. I mean, Tyler Denby has ran shop for years and yeah. has always been feared in all competition barbecue. And there's something about the relationship you and John Marcus have where, where you guys can beat up on each other a little bit, and it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, Rod is his own is his own cat, and I love to have him on. And he is a guy that is, I mean, he's been down maybe for a year and a half, uh, health issues with the wife this year, and then he had some uh, health issues himself last year. But uh, in full admission on his own, wasn't cooking as well. Might um, have might have felt it a little bit more than he actually had going, uh, plus with the rise of all of these other teams that we've been seeing you know, over the last 12, 13, 14 months. So I, I always love having Rod on because I know he's going to shoot straight and we're always going to be able to kind of get after each other, as you said. Uh, John Marcus is a whole different cat. I mean, this guy is successful beyond compare. Uh, he's got Emmy Awards that sit in his house, and he will take time to come on. I mean, this isn't... You know, me on 850 ESPN WKNR, you know, local affiliate, like real radio. This is internet bullshit. And he still makes time to come on the show, you know, three times a year or four times a year. You know, it's advantageous for both of us to have us on. But the relationship is there even outside of on the air. We've had a lot of just regular phone calls. And he's a good, he's just a good guy. Right. And, 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 And he'll even run late or he'll. If he if the mood strikes him, he'll he'll talk about it as as long as you'll let him go. Yes, he will run absolutely. So and and that and that's cool. So let me ask you this, Rumpy. Yep. The one interview you've always wanted that you haven't been able to land, or is there one? Man, for a while it was Dana Hillis, but ever since you said that the FBA was looking to jam people up on fire extinguishers, I got a little off that bandwagon. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I have, I have really efforted, um, Adam Perry Lang to no avail and I would love to talk to him and as much as people would, would hate it or think that I I would man down during the interview, I would like to have Bobby Flay. I think he is kind of that transcendent name that, that goes across barbecue and grilling lines. And I would love to have him on the show and, you know, see if he's, a douche or if he's a good guy how does he differ from what you see on television because that's all you really know him unless you've met him personally you only see what you see in that 22 minutes of whatever half hour show that he's doing so he's he's still probably my top get and you know maybe someday i get him maybe someday i don't whatever we'll see what happens absolutely well before i let you go to get ready for your show can i announce my number one show most listened to in the first year Yes, number one. Ernest Cervantes. Really? Shopped Grillmaster's champion. Wow. Yeah, he's he's definitely got a role going right now. Yeah, and and Doug from Rubs Within, that the Ribs Within, that was the two guys on that show. It was uh, eight twenty one, so it's not that far removed. Yeah. But uh, but Ernest has a ridiculous following and a lot going for him. Duly noted, Chad. If you know what I mean. So. Wow. <laughs> so Greg, awesome having you on the show, brother. Thank you for coming on, and uh, we will talk to you here in a bit. All right, yeah, we'll turn you around uh, for your side of my interview. Absolutely. All right, chatters. Thanks, Greg. Late. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Greg Rempe. This is Chris Payne from Euclid, Ohio, and you are listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. 
Do shirt, say, whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. A lot's going on tonight. If you want to jump in, you can do it, 877-448-0433. You can also email the show if you want to, greg at com. Lots of stuff. Patio Daddio, 100%. That's your over uh, Chadley Von Ward will be calling in here in just a second. If you missed it, I was just on his show for the last... 12 or 13 minutes doing a little recap of why I bothered even starting a barbecue and grilling show. Some of my favorite interviews that I've ever done so far. uh, Biggest get that I ever was able to obtain coming up back in the old podcast days. Remember that this show was indeed uh, just a, a podcast style show in the very beginning. And there's what I affectionately refer to as the Baker's Dozen, might even be a little bit more than a Baker's Dozen, of podcasts that, oh, man, did they sound bad. Really, really bad, man. It's bad, man. It's bad. But look, it's one of those things, and, you know, you get over it, move forward. Here we are today, live in 95, baby. That's right. All right. I'm just going to raise Chad here, so just in case he's hoping. Here's what's happening on the show tonight um, while we're getting Chad in. Uh, Sam Zion, the Sam, the cooking guy, coming up in about 12 minutes. Uh, Chris Hart from IQ will be joining me 35 past the hour. And then second hour, you find the reprisal of the uh, competition roundtable. So uh, that's what we have to look forward to tonight. But... Without further ado, we race to the hotline. Pitmaster of Whiskey Bent Barbecue, host of Whiskey Bent Barbecue in the Pit, Chad Ward. Returning him now for my show. Chad, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg. Great to be here. Chad, I must say that we have huge news to unveil, especially for those that were not listening to your show just a few minutes ago. Uh, tonight makes Chad's one-year anniversary, believe it or not. So, Chad, congratulations to you. Um, I know from a long, vast experience that keeping up, keeping up, that keeping a show running for twelve months, even once a week, is quite a task. So, uh, a congratulations. B, more importantly, uh, what have you learned during these twelve months putting together a show each and every week? Well, one thanks, Greg. You've uh, you've been great about helping out and any questions I have. It's it's been very nice to have somebody else to bounce things off of. Secondly, his what I've learned is it's not so easy to do it every week. <laughs> we uh, so fifty two weeks, and I did forty two shows. So with the work, travel, and the life, everything else, it's 
it's hard to commit to that. And it makes it, 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 it makes what you do seem even bigger because you rarely miss a show. I, I try it. Sometimes it's technical issues. And look, right. I mean, what's the internet? It's technology. So if the if the internet is not there, I mean, you're pretty much slammed out of the door at that point, and there's nothing you can do about it. But look, uh, other things happen. Life happens, and you know the biggest thing that I try to figure out, aside from having some type of a repeatable format on the show that helps you kind of build each and every week, is picking that time slot that made the most sense on the best night. I mean, who would have known that even five years ago, still probably the best night for me to do this is Tuesday. And even not, even now and again, it gets a little sketchy. So, yeah, um, being able to repeat it week in and week out is definitely a, a task at hand. Now, the other portion of the show, obviously, you get your takes, you get your thoughts in, is getting guests. So what's it like for you trying to get guests? And who are some of the favorite guests that you've had on your show so far? You know what? I will say being a being a competition cook, it has not been hard to get guests. And, and and that was one thing that kind of shocked me was I, I thought to get some of the bigger names in, in, in the barbecue community, it would be a challenge. But I would say some of my favorite guests are um, Mike Richter, Chick Swine and Bovine. He's a good guest. Uh, Ronnie Cates, because Ronnie Cates is always coming on to talk about big prize money and big events. And then uh, two of my favorites lately have been two guys that I got to know really well out in Tucson, and that's uh, Ernest Cervantes and uh, my real good buddy Kent Rollins from Chop Grill Masters. Yeah, those guys are definitely uh, really experiencing a lot of success, so it's got to be neat kind of you know going through an event like that and then being able to kind of interview them and get their thoughts even you know, as an interviewer versus somebody that has that camaraderie of going through the show with them, is is that like probably the biggest thing that's happened to you during this calendar year is getting out and, and doing that show chopped? A- absolutely. Um, when you, when you get the call and you get the chance to go out there and and you go through all the hoops they want you to go through, and they tell you to get out there, you know, and and, and come try your hand, it's a it's a huge coup. It actually makes your year. Um, when you get your ass chopped in the first round, not so much. That's no good. No good. Well, I mean, you know, I was telling, but, but, uh, I was telling Robin uh, like last week that, you know, regard somebody's going to have to be the first one, but you were there, you were on the show. So uh, even if you're the first yeah. one chopped, you know, lick the sweat off my balls and beat it because you're jealous. Yeah. Well, well, and I will say this. I had the best walk off of anybody on that show. Of course, it was the best. So, I mean, at least I've got that to hang my hat on. I've got, I may have went out first, but at least I went out with a bang. Chad Ward joining me on the show here, uh, pitmaster of Whiskey Bent Barbecue and host of Whiskey Bent Barbecue in the Pit, which can be heard on blogtalkradio.com. Kind of a a open-ended question here, Chad, but, you know, what do you have directionality-wise for the show over the next 6, 12 months? You know, Greg, I think we're going to continue to to really have kind of these, I, you know, when me and you talked initially, I told you I wanted to kind of be the Roy Firestone of, of barbecue <laughs> right. talk radio. I, nobody's cried yet, which that's a disappointment. But I, I want to be able to kind of go and, and peel back the layers of the onion and get into the real detail of each category, what people are cooking on, what they're thinking. And I think we'll continue to go that way. Um, 
I always envision this being more of a show for competition cooks than maybe just the backyard grilling public. And and I'd like to see my I'd, I'd like to see me grow a little bit to open that up to more of the the backyard folks and not just the competition folks. Chad Ward joining me here on the show. Um, Chad, just a couple minutes left here before I turn you loose. Uh, also, aside from hosting the show, as I've mentioned a couple times here, you're the pitmaster of Whiskey Bent Barbecue Competition Cooking Team based out of Florida. You do KCBS events. You've done FBA events. What is on the competition docket for you guys the rest of the year? Um, we're going to hang out until middle of uh, Oct- or middle of October. We've got a FBA contest down here in Mulberry. We've got a KCBS contest middle of November in Plant City. Um, and then there's a couple other competitions look like we may do uh, towards the end of the year. So we, we've had a very light year for us, and it's it's mostly due to me um, and, and some of the things that I've had going on. But um, next year looks like it's going to be full bore. Uh, there, you actually may see Whiskey Bent cooking a uh, full three months up in the northeast next year, um, so that would be uh, that would be fun. The uh, the Weiss families got a house up there, and it looks like we may uh, take a couple GMGs up there and and cook the northeast all next summer. Absolutely fabulous! Getting into a different region of the country and seeing how the the flavor profiles and everything works up there. Uh, anything else you'd like to get out there and promote before I turn you loose here tonight, Chatter? No, Greg. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, you guys, please please listen to us if you can. We're two hours before Greg, blogtalkradio.com. If you go over to Whiskey Bent BBQ uh, over at, uh, on Facebook, you can always see the live links. and uh, Just click there and listen to the show. Thanks for having us on, Greg. Yeah, you got it. Chad Ward joining me here on the show. Chad, have a great night, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Greg. All right, take care. There he is, Chad Ward. Whiskey Bent Barbecue in the Pit is... Uh, is the name of the show. Looking for pictures here. Ah, there they are. Wonderful. Yes. Can you be able to look at those? Let me see. Uh, yeah, here's I am. Wonderful. All right, Sam the Cooking Guy coming up next. But first, let me tell you quickly about... The Barbecue Institute. Gang, take your barbecue to the next level with the Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food science and smoking secrets to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Backyard barbecuers and those folks who want to open a business they drive, they fly in from all over the world for the Institute's small and friendly informative class sizes. Now they have the upcoming Barbecue 101 classes. That'll be in Riverhead, New York, also in Dallas and Houston, Texas. There'll also be a commercial barbecue class for those wanting to open their own business. And that's coming up the Gator Pit Factory in Houston using their approved commercial kitchens. Now following a sold-out 2013 class, the Barbecue Institute is planning on adding a two-day Dutch oven class and a one-day butchering class on either side of the weekend. So stay tuned for that. You can learn the difference between cooking with charcoal or gas, logs, wood pellets. They can all produce amazing results yet require a different route to get there. Learn the practical secrets in the food science on the methods to get the best results from each heat source. Now remember this. When Conrad is not teaching classes, 
on the weekends. He's out there doing private classes and corporate events during the week. And he also founded OPBBQ.com in 2004. They still barbecue for the troops and wounded warriors. So make your next off-site party really memorable. Have a Barbecue Institute off-site party. Show your employees you care with the very best barbecue that money can buy. And they will be talking about it for years to come. Having happy employees, it's key. It's beneficial to your business. Believe me when I tell you that. Keep up with Conrad for details on all of the Barbecue Class Institute classes. Visit bbqinstitute.com. That's bbqinstitute.com. Or check out the Facebook page for the latest news and pictures. bbqinstitute.com. All right, uh, give me 20 seconds. We'll hook up with Sam Zion, Sam the Cooking Guy. I'll have to talk to you about him. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. back 14 past the hour 877-448-0433 greg at the bbq central show.com my first guest tonight hosts one of the best live cooking video shows on the internet right now it's called the sam live cast it is live every monday wednesday and thursday at 9 p.m eastern standard time he's become a semi-regular contributor here to this show which i certainly appreciate let's go ahead and race over the hotline and pull up sam the cooking guy Sam, how are you, bud? What's up, my friend? How are you, Greg? Good. It looks like we got a little uh, video jump start problem, but I already have a picture loaded in, so we are absolutely good to go if you are good to go. There you go. That's cool. I mean, all I see is uh, I see my Skype picture spinning, and I don't know how to fix that. Well, I'm no tech guy, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would be feeding you bevies and jewels of information to, to help us both, but that's all right. Got pictures of you up. We got a lot to talk about. Um, before we get into that, you had had me on uh, maybe a month or so ago as a guest on your show. We were talking about some barbecue and grilling stuff. And I need Correct. to kind of apologize right off the bat here because while I, while I was guesting, uh, you know, I have kids and they're watching some TV, and I thought I had my gate up enough to block any of the ambient room noise, but I think it was actually pitching through because when I. Listen back to the show. I was hearing a little SpongeBob, little rung rats coming in there. So that's very unprofessional of me. I like to maintain. You know what? I, I kind of liked it. I mean, it makes you like a completely real guy, you know. And do people know that you do this from, uh, 
Rempy Central? Yeah, well, uh, most of the true diehard fans know there's actually been a few people that have like passed through town, and it may or may not be the safest or not safest thing I've ever done, but they're like, hey, I'm in town for Cleveland. It's going to be a Tuesday. Can I just kind of come over and sit in? I'm like, yeah. Just come on. I've never met them before. They just kind of show up. We have a few beers. I drop a microphone in front of their face. And, uh, you know, they see the completely jacked up, rigged up, wannabe production studio that breaks down in about five seconds is in a family room again. That's what I like to see. It's what it's all about. So, uh, all right. So Sam Zion joining me right here. Sam, the cooking guy, and, of course, the website, uh, thesamlivecast.com. If you haven't checked it out, be sure to do that. Um, you were talking a couple weeks back, you were doing, you, every once in a while you run theme weeks, and you were talking about three-ingredient weeks, or you weren't talking about it, you had three-ingredients week a little while back. Yeah. And at one, at one of those, you were talking about recipes and when they work and when they don't. So, you know, as someone who's living, or, or at least part of it, is building recipes for public consumption, you know, what kind right. of a process it is it for you making something that maybe you've never made before? You're going to try and twist something. How do you go about building recipes and then making it repeatable time and time again? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, the recipe process for me now versus what it was, you know, 10 years ago when I started uh, my cooking career. And I did it before I started cooking on TV. I didn't cook, really. My wife did all the cooking. I know it sounds kind of stupid, but it's the way it happened. And my process then was much more detailed. I had an idea. Uh, I laid it out. I tried it this way. I tried it that way. I mean, it was back and forth and up and down until I felt like I had it to the place where I wanted it. And the place where I wanted is always super simple. You know, I try and leave out as many things as, as, uh, as you can. Um, now, uh, as I, the, the picture you have up of me, which I'm sorry, I have to stare at for the whole time <laughs> is the cover of my third book. And the quotation that I wrote at the beginning of that is cooking is like riding a bike. The more you do it, the better you get. And my cooking skills now, and not because I'm some, you know, savant chef, uh, are just much better than they were back in the beginning. And that means now that I can say, I can think of two or three or four things in my head that will just go together, and I don't really even need to try them. A lot of the times in the live cast, I make something for the very first time. Back in the day, if I tried that, it would have been a mistake for sure. Now I'm pretty comfortable about that. But really, the lesson for people listening is that that's what they need to do. You know, the worst thing that happens uh, in cooking, if it doesn't turn out, is that you eat your mistake. And it's got to be really foul for me not to eat it. I mean, you're a guy, I'm a guy, and we've all eaten things that were just probably nastier than women might eat. But, but that's what you do. So if you try something and just yeah, – my suggestion is you just get, your, get yourself in the kitchen – Forget the recipe and just pull out some things that you have and try them. I like to tell people once a week, don't make anything new. Like don't open any new cans or new packages or take a steak out of the freezer or from the store, whatever you got. Use up what you've got in your fridge. And that takes 
it does two things. It gets rid of the leftovers that you have that you might throw out Monday morning. Right. And more importantly, it, it starts working on your intuition. It starts feeding your brain with what works, what doesn't work. And the only way you find out is by trying. Sam Zion joining us here on the show. The SamLiveCast.com is the website. Uh, Sam, you know, you use a lot of herbs and spices while you're cooking on the show. And you, you make mention of it from time to time about dry herbs and spices versus fresh herbs and spices. Where do you, right. where do you kind of fall out on that? Uh, I, I, I tend to use things fresh that I can either grow easily um, or my neighbors grow easily or that are sort of easily bought and I know I'm going to use up. Let me try and give you an example. Uh, basil. I could use the hell out of a out of a little bush of basil, and whether it was for a little fresh mozzarella salad, or I was going to make my own pesto, or I was doing some kind of pasta thing with tomatoes, and I was going to throw a big handful of chopped up in after. I could grow basil. I'd be fine with it. Dried basil. It's kind of, I'm just not a fan of it. I, I don't know that I would use it. Uh, do you know what dried cilantro is? Uh, no, actually, I've only ever used um, cilantro out of the, the produce that's fresh. Fresh cilantro. Dried yeah. cilantro is coriander. Oh, well, then and yes, I, I have. It has, it, it has a place, but I don't, I have a lot of, I have a lot of dried things, uh, Greg, but I only use a small handful of them. There's probably 10 dried herbs that I use uh, on a regular basis or spices. So I guess kind of hand-in-hand hand with that to a certain degree, uh, not necessarily because they're, they're dry, but would be, you know, when you're buying spices, you go to the spice aisle in big bulk store or you go to the grocery store and you're paying, you know, six, seven bucks for, um, you know, dried basil for your, your spaghetti Which sauce or whatever versus... Buying in bulk, do you are you a, a big believer in bulk buying of, of, of these kind of things? Absolutely. I, ha I have matching spice um, containers or one make that you buy in this, in this because I'm really anal about how I want my spice cabinet to look. But once I've bought, you know, um, curry powder and gone through it, the second time I go to buy it, I go to a bulk store. And instead of paying six or seven bucks for five or six, whatever it happens to be at the time, I, I pay maybe eight cents. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's such a ripoff buying spices from a supermarket. I don't know. I guess it's the jar. The jar has to be worth way more than the spice itself, which doesn't make sense to me, but that's the way it is. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, I guess that would make more sense. You're paying for the the weight of the jar versus what's in there. Um, so if you have the opportunity to buy bulk, obviously a better thing to do because you're saving money hand over fist. Obviously, if you have something to backfill it in uh, container wise. Um, one of the things that you know I probably couldn't get here in Cleveland because of the climate changes that we experience here that you don't get in Southern California is uh, you have a, a veg or a vertical earth garden. And I'm going to pull up some pictures here while you talk about it. Um, this is something you actually have in your backyard and you use it like all the time, right? Yeah. So this is really cool. I mean, you know, there's there's the raised beds that people understand. 
land and, and probably stand in your part of the world. And then there's a plot of land where you put, you know, uh, you grow tomatoes right out of the ground and stuff. This thing, uh, that top, top right hand picture, it's, it's like PVC, four inch uh, wide PVC tubing that is fed water from that box in the bottom. And the water travels up in that particular travels up the left hand side by a tube and drains through that PVC tubing all the way down and runs back into that big uh, box as a reservoir and then recycles back up. Wow. It's a constant flow of water. It's really like hydroponic sort of to the next level. And it's not just sitting in water, it's it's water all the way through. And the, the roots of whatever it is you're growing, whether it's tomatoes or cilantro or basil or, or you know, peppers, uh, sit in that running water with the little need of a little pump and this grow. And it's really unbelievable. We put one in, uh, I don't know, close to a year now, and we're out there pulling it romaine and butter I've got peppers out there right now. I've got dill growing, cilantro, parsley. I try and put the things in that I'm going to use on a regular basis. Stupid to grow stuff that, you know, you're not going to use. Sam Zion joining me here on the show. Sam, uh, real quick, I'm just going to dump you, call you right back. I think we're having a little bit of an audio problem here. Um, I'll get right back to you here. One second. Man, I would love to get a vertical earth garden. There's just no two ways about it, except it would be a vertical ice garden uh, come the end of November and then all the way through you know March or April. It would be the vertical ice garden for me instead of the vertical earth garden. Um, I hear that. Yeah. So let me get into a couple recipes here. And, sure. you know, one of the things, and you've sent me uh, some pictures, which I certainly appreciate, and we'll, we'll kind of show them here, is a couple yeah. weeks ago you made these uh, empanadas. I believe that was like leftover beef, or you had done a, a brisket the night before or something like that, and then you were you were reusing or something. Or, no, these were the hoisin Brand chicken. Oil. Hoisin chicken, right? Those were chicken ones, right? right. And so look, here's the thing about an empanada. We've all had them. Um, that was three. That was one of the recipes in Three Ingredient Week. And one of my favorite ingredients in the world is pie dough. There's a million things you can do with it besides making a pie crust out of it. And so I buy the pre the pre rolled ones in a supermarket, cut them into like you know four inch circles, and then you can fill them with anything. And in this case, I filled them with a deli roasted chicken that I had shredded and mixed with some hoisin sauce, which if you don't know, is is kind of close to like a Chinese barbecue sauce. You could use deli roasted chicken and regular everyday barbecue sauce, Western barbecue sauce, but this just made it a little more interesting. So you mix the chicken with the sauce. You drop some on top of one of the circles of the dough. You, you fold it over to make a little moon-shaped crescent. You seal the edges with water, press it together, Throw it on a baking sheet and it goes in the oven at like 350 for maybe a half an hour until it's golden brown. And it doesn't matter what you put in it. You could have put leftover steak, mm. uh, diced green chilies, and uh, Monterey Jack cheese. You could put briskets and mustard. You could put corned beef, 
a little sauerkraut uh, and, you know, mustard in that if you want it. Doesn't matter. Everything is unbelievable in those things. You could wrap an old effing shoe in pie dough and I would eat the heck out of it. All right, so here's the next one. So, I mean, but easy to, I mean, you're sticking with your philosophy, you know, the less, the better, easy to do, everybody can do it type of thing. Exactly. Um, let me get to this other one. And this was the, I believe it was cedar planked salmon. Right. Wow. Look at this thing. And so, it's crazy. Cedar plank, right. Not only is it beautiful, right? Oh. But, but the thing about it is there's one, uh, let me think about this. If you don't count salt and pepper, which generally you don't count, right? Right. Salmon, brown sugar. Yep. Uh, two ingredients. Three ingredients, I guess, if you count the plank. Yeah, right. For cedar. So uh, all you smoke. do that is a that's a that's a a piece of untreated cedar like fencing. Yep. I buy it at the I buy it at the uh, lumberyard. I pay three bucks for a six foot length of it. I cut it into two foot pieces and then I can do whole salmon fillets on that piece. You take it, you put it in a, uh, uh, in a big cooler, whatever will fit the thing plus water. You have to weight it down so it doesn't float. You want the whole thing soaked and soak it in water at least two hours. If you got four hours, give it four hours. And then you take the salmon, the whole salmon fillet, a little olive oil, kosher salt, pepper, and then cover it with brown sugar so you don't see salmon anymore. I don't mean like an inch thick. I just mean enough so you don't see salmon. Pull the plank out of the water, shake the water off, put the salmon with the brown sugar on top of it, and put it on a screamingly hot grill. And leave it. It's going to take about seven minutes for every inch of salmon. You'd be wise to have a squirt bottle of water at the ready. And I know you've got that. Yeah, of course. And then you're done. Pull it off with tongs, put it on a baking sheet. It's going to be smoking. Don't bring it inside right away because that smoke is really not good. But then bring it in. I'm telling you, it doesn't taste like a piece of brown sugar candy. It's unbelievable. But you have to salt and pepper it well. So it, it's our go-to thing here, Greg, when we have company in that has never had it before. It's, uh, I mean, it looks absolutely fabulous. There's a lot of wow factor with how you're cooking it. You know, believe it or not, there is a, a fellow countryman of yours, Sam, if, for the people who don't know, originally from uh, Canada. I think west, the, but more right. the west portion of Canada, correct? Correct. Vancouver, right. So we, there's a guy in Ontario named Ted Reeder. And he is widely considered to be the master planker. This guy has planked everything from the salmons to hamburgers to Twinkies to, to chewing gum for real. Chewing gum for real. Get out of here. Yes. Get out of here. Everything He builds plank boxes. He bakes cakes and planks. So this guy is absolutely off the wall when it comes to planks. So, you know, as someone who might be a novice coming into your house or my house or a lot of the centralites homes, when you can cook something on a plank, and it doesn't have to be cedar. It can be you know any flavor of untreated wood to give it that smoky flavor. It, it really right. adds that shock value and, and that awe value for people to, to come into your house or my house and, and eat off of that thing. You can really just take a fork and eat it right off of there if you want to. Yeah, you know what? You know, when I'm asked to, now summer is waning, 
clearly we have a little bit more time left here in San Diego for it. But, but in the summertime, when I'm invited to you know, like a barbecue, and they'll say, you know, bring something, and they're expecting me, they expect the guests to bring like a salad or wine or, you know, a green salad or a pasta salad. Or I'll make one of those and take it. Because I don't want to walk in, I don't want to walk up the, the front porch with a, a pasta salad and somebody else has got a pasta salad walking up with me. And right. I think that's a very likely scenario. But more importantly, I want to bring something that people are going to go, whoa, I haven't had that. And that's pretty cool. How do you do that? You want to bring something that's interesting. A, a, a salmon half, you know, you buy it when it's on sale. They're easy to cook. They're cheap to cook. They can be, and it's really interesting to bring. Don't do the same thing, ladies and gentlemen. I, mean, I try and say that all the time. Do not do the same thing. That's right. Uh, spice it up a little bit. And nobody does that better than Sam Zion. You can find him on the internet at thesamlivecast.com. And his show is live every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, and you can find him here on the show every once in a while as well. Sam, always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on tonight. You're welcome, Greg. Have a good night. All right, take care. There he is, Sam Zion. Sam, the cooking guy. Check the show out. I think you'll be very pleased, if you haven't, with the banter that goes on with uh, his crew, Sam, and uh, his son is part of the show's wife. And then he's got a couple of cameramen, uh, another production guy, and, and there's a lot of great banter that happens uh, but they cook live right there each and every night. Nothing is rarely is anything prepped in advance. So it's it's kind of like a, a Food Network show. Nay, it's not like a Food Network show. It's it's like what the Food Network channel should be. Watching somebody do it live, uncut, it's unedited, and you see something. Most of the time, it's good. Sometimes things get out of hand. That's what I like to see. That's a reality show that I want to see. Not everything perfect all the time. Thanks again to Sam for coming on. Uh, Yang, quickly let me talk to you for a few minutes about the longest-running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. Uh, Yang, if you have been thinking about an automatic pit temperature control device for your cooker, then stop here. This is the company that started all of this. They are the creators of this technology. Why would you buy it from any other company? I have no idea. Now, maybe you're not familiar with how these duties work. Uh, I'm not going to get into the minute details, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and once it's set, it keeps it running at the same temperature all the way through the cook. Does it sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. This is real-life technology. Take advantage of it. It's here today for your consumption. And they have a number of different guru items to choose from. You have the most technologically advanced guru right now, which is the CyberQ Wi-Fi unit. It allows you, through the access of Wi-Fi, to stay in bed or look at your temperatures remotely from the office, whatever the case may be. You have that type of Internet access, Wi-Fi access. You can have something at home. You can check the monitor and the temperature of the pit. You can also check up the three different internal temperatures of the meat with additional probes. You have nothing to lose there. It's absolutely fabulous. And there's a number of other models there as well. If you don't need the CyberQ uh, Wi-Fi, you have the CyberQ2. The DigiQ DX2, the Party Q unit, easiest point of entry right there. It's 130 bucks. It's a self-contained unit. It runs on AA batteries. It hooks up to most of the bullet style 
and most of the uh, Weber kettle style cookers. It's 10 bucks extra for the ceramic cookers, Big Green Egg, Primo, Bubba Keg, all that stuff. And, of course, they do have their own line of cookers as well, which is the Onyx Oven. That has been winning all over the place. Big competitions that wins on. It also wins at Kids Cues. He tuned in last week. Holla. So do yourself a favor. Head over to the BBQGuru.com, TheBBQGuru.com. Check out all their products if you have any questions. Call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or TheBBQGuru.com. The Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're coming back with the 2009 Jack Daniels Barbecue Cook-Off Champion. Chris Hart from IQ. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Big B, Moonshine Band, Suburban Boys Records. Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need a radio. Bring a jukebox. 7 past the hour, 877-448-0433. Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. I'm a whiskey drinking SOB. If you don't like that, then you won't like me. I'm an outlaw. The yes. Saying I can't call this number on Skype. Whatever do that number, except nothing. All right, uh, as many of you know, the Jack Daniels World Championship drawing was held this past Friday. Here to help me break down the draw, talk a little bit about his experiences at the Jack. Probably none come as qualified as this guy. He'll be making his 11th trip in a row this year. They won it three years ago, 2009. Let's race over to Hotline and grab Chris Hart from IQ. Chris, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg. How you doing? Doing absolutely fabulous. Chris, always appreciate you making time for the show. And I guess, you know, we start with the what seems to be the obligatory congratulations for yet again making that cut going down now 11 years in a row to the Jack Daniels. And if unless yeah, three, I'm... Three years ago feels like uh, yesterday. It seems like uh, just the other day that uh, we won it. But uh, it's been three years and uh, 11 in a row. Now, unless I'm sorely mistaken, which I don't believe I am, this is probably like an all-time record for, for any other team going 11 years in a row, correct? Uh, I don't know about that. and It's possible. I know that there's some international teams that have been a bunch of times. I know there's an old-time team out of the Pacific Northwest. And I definitely don't want to step on Myron Mixon's toes because he'll definitely let me know about it, but he may have been a bunch of times in a row, too. Well, so I think... I'll let someone else figure out what the records are, and I'm just going to keep cooking. All right, you keep cooking. And uh, so I'll say this. International teams don't count. Uh, secondly, <laughs> I believe you and Myron were almost neck and neck, and then it was either last year or the year before. He didn't go. He's missed out on a year since you've gone. So I think you're at least one ahead of him. So in my estimation, you currently have the all-time leading record. We'll leave it at that. And the people can argue through the annals of barbecue history after the show and figure out exactly how wrong or how right I am. Um, Beautiful. I'll pull myself a jack and uh, have a little toast to that, to that, that record. Absolutely. So as you said, you won it in 2009. Many consider it to be the honor in a competition barbecue career. 
If you could take us back just a little bit, you know, what do you remember about that weekend? Some of your fondest thoughts about winning the Jack Daniels? Yeah, so the um, the way it went, what happens, what I've kind of uh, worked against when you go to the Jack Daniels, I think a lot of teams, you know, there's some teams that go out there and cook 30 contests a year. There's other teams that go in the Jack Daniels that have cooked, you know, three, four, five contests a year. And so what you need to work against is this uh, trying to um, do it extra special, right? It's trying to, um, you know, I'm going to go and find a different brisket for the Jack, or I'm going to go cook this better recipe for the Jack, and it's really hard not to do that when you're going into a field like that. And so the year that we won it, it was we just were able to kind of, you know, kind of strip all that away and just cook our program and not worry too much about it and it just kind of all happened. Yeah, so I guess I kind of so That was one of the best things about the Jack is we just had a perfect cook and there was none of the um uh, you know, problems with uh trying to figure out a secret recipe. We just did our program and it worked that day. Chris Hart joining me here on the show. Uh, that kind of dovetails into my the, my next question. Probably half answered it, but you, you get those teams um, that talk about should I change the way I cook to suit? And, and I guess from what I understand from talking to, to pitmasters over these you know five six years is that they tend to have that mindset, like you were saying, to, to cook something different because of that lack of experience in barbecue pallets for the most part in the judging tent. Not all of them are. There's some good experienced judges that will know good barbecue, competition barbecue when they taste it, but a lot of them aren't. So is that what you tell the teams is just because the pallet isn't there or the experience isn't there, don't go changing everything wholesale? Yeah, I would recommend not. I mean, and I think that's true at most, lots of contests every single week. I mean, you go cook some contest in the field in New Hampshire or Maryland or South Carolina, and you're going to get a whole bunch of people that really don't know a lot about barbecue at those contests, too. So if you got yourself to the jack, you, you probably have figured out already how to uh, please a diverse crowd. Please, you know, you got to be able to, you know, you have a table, and there's Paul Kirk, and there's the weather uh, lady at the same table. And so how do you please both of those people? Someone that's maybe looking for something traditional, not oversauced, uh, and then someone else that's looking for kind of apples, be- apples, bees type, kind of falling off the bone, sweet. So how do you get something that both of those people like? And I think a lot of teams are successful. Find a way to, to please a diverse group of people, and uh, that's what you have at the Jack Daniels for sure. Chris, we hit this question last year. I just want to refresh it a little bit for people that might have not heard the answer or, or haven't really listened to the show in past archives. But there are some teams that are down there for the very first time, and quite honestly, because of how it's structured and, and how you have to get in, unless you win your seven in a row or unless you win your seven to get the automatic, you might never get back. You could go once and never get back, just like uh, you know the World Series or the Super Bowl or whatever. How do yep. teams balance enjoying the experience – making sure that they're giving themselves all the chances to enjoy, you know, the holler and Lynchburg and all that other stuff, but also giving themselves the best chance at turning in the best food. Got to have a good plan in place, right? Yeah, you absolutely have to have a good plan. And uh, the year we won, we had a plan. We had a, you know, at 5 o'clock, we're going to go up on the hill, and, you know, at 2 o'clock, we're going to prep our butts. And we kind of followed it, which is a little bit out of character for us. Uh, honestly, we kind of we rolled it a little bit. But, um, 
you got to have a plan. You got to give yourself plenty of time. You know, if you if you feel like that might be your one shot to get there, you should show up on Thursday morning. You know, you should uh, walk around the town. You should uh, take a distillery tour. You should go to Miss Mary Bobo's and kind of get a lot of that stuff out of the way on Thursday, so that you're well kind of well rested and focused on Friday and start cooking. The 2012 draw went off uh, this past Friday, and obviously it looks like another great field of American teams that will be taking part in there. And I suppose it's easy to say that the teams who have won their seven to get those auto bids should be the favorites. You know, As you reviewed the list that was coming in through Brethren or however you were getting it, were there any teams that really jump out at you as like, wow, they really have a good shot of winning this year? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was, there, there was a lot of interesting teams. Some of them were already, a lot of the teams on my, like, highlight list were already kind of automatics and in. Um, I noted, uh, you know, Three Eyes has had uh, an unbelievable season, and, for, you know, they're in first place for uh, Team of the Year. Uh, Lakeside, who we go up against um, in New England every weekend, probably if you did the math on uh, the number of contests, one versus the number of contests cooked. They're very, very high up there. They win a lot of the contests they cook. So Lakeside is another team that uh, was kind of autoed in. I'm interested to see um, Harry Sue is uh, making it out. He's had a variety of, uh, of passes at trying to get into the jack, and he made it this year. It'll be interesting to see how those West Coast flavors uh, play in Lynchburg. Um, who else? Uh, old friend Gary Howard from the Smoke Ring. Uh, he's back in. He's used to cook that event regularly in the early 2000s, and uh, he's back in, in the mix. Uh, QL, returning champion. Um, Smoking Hogs, returning champion. Johnny Trigg, returning champion. So there's a lot of really cool teams in the mix here. Does it ultimately come down to 50% cooking well or 60% cooking well and then the other half getting on good tables in the end? Yeah, you know, it's a lot like... Um, it's a, it's a lot like playing poker, you know. I mean, you can be an awesome poker player, but if you have really lousy cards all night, you're probably not going to win. So, you you know, you need to draw some good cards. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, that gets emphasized for some reason a little bit more Jack Daniels, but I think it's true every single weekend is you need, uh, you need a couple good cards um, in order to win. And uh, yeah, but you absolutely have to nail it. You have to have a great cook, and you can't sit there and say, you know, oh, the ribs were a little tough and the pork was a little salty. It's fairly unlikely you're going to be in the mix if that happens. Um, so you really need to come out of the cook all four categories, saying, you know what, I'm, I'm really struggling to find anything really off in any of those four categories, and then you need to hit the tables. And if that happens, uh, you got a good shot. Chris Hart joining me here on the show, pitmaster of IQ Barbecue Team, and you can find them at uh, IQBARBECUE or IQBarbecue.com. Um, Chris, in, in, well, let me ask you this question instead. You're going down now 11 years in a row. So, how, how does it change for you? Does it change at all? Uh, I'm not saying that it would ever get old, but since you've been down so many times, do you ever anticipate that you're just consistently going to be going now year after year after year, or is it always fresh and new when the name is called and you're able to, or you win that contest that allows you to, to get down to the jack every year? Uh, you know, it, it, 
there's been it kind of has been up and downs, you know. Like before, I a variety of times from my barbecue career, I've kind of gotten to this place where I said, you know, and I, I think I'm done doing this. It's too much work. It's it's kind of dragging on me. And then you hit a you hit a big win, and that's kind of where I was at with before we won at the Jack. It's like you know, this has been a nice run. This is a lot of fun, but I'd be okay if I didn't come back. And then I won, and and then I was like. You know, I'll keep coming back as many times as I possibly can because the feeling of winning was unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, the, it, the last couple of years has been tough for me to get in. I really uh, had to scrap and scrape to try to find a way to get in. This year I just kind of got in by the skin of my teeth, got a little lucky uh, on some weird draw in Maine, and um happy to be back. And I'll, you know, if I had to choose one contest to go to each year, it would be the Jack Daniels without question. Uh, last question here before I let you go, Chris. Uh, you know, there has been, and it's kind of died down as of late, but there had been a more, more of this international push in recent months to get more teams outside of the USA into the Jack. But in yeah. doing so, that these teams would also be, or, or they would also have to achieve similar standards as these American teams do. Are you on board with that to any degree, having, instead of just being invited over, would you like to see some of those international competitors having to win, uh, you know, some type of similarly styled event in order to, to take a spot up, or should the international contingent just stay as is? Who cares? Uh, I, I would vote, you know, not necessarily the same criteria as domestic teams, but there needs to be a criteria. You know, there needs to be uh, a standard that is met in order to cook the Jack Daniels. And I, I think you need to be a grand champion. You need to win a cooking contest in order to come in and not just be willing to travel. I, I honestly don't know very much about the criteria for the international teams, but uh, I, I, I think that the, the vibe of the event is you need to be a grand champion, and uh, I think that should apply to the international teams too. Um, maybe not exactly the same as as domestic, but definitely some kind of a standard that, that needs to be upheld in order to get into that event. Chris Hart joining me here on the show. Uh, Chris, one last thought here. I had uh, your uh, partner in crime, Andy O.C. Husbands, on uh, maybe a month or so ago, and we were talking about Wicked Good Barbecue and, and how it has exceeded all of his expectations. Um, since you were also part of that book, let me ask you about it. You know, in the short time it's been out and, and the multiple printings that it's had, how are you finding the success of the book, and it, did it surpass anything that you would kind of put up for benchmarks uh, personally? Um, it's you know it, it definitely has surpassed what I thought it would do. It, there's been I, I thought it was more of a niche book. I thought it was a little bit too uh, intense. You know, we really got into uh, crazy um, complex competition barbecue recipes, and it's just been just well, very well received. There's been a wide variety of people that have been into it, and. Um, we uh, do. We just re-up for our second book, and just that—that's in the bag. Wicked Good Burgers is in in the bag, and uh, being published, and will be out in the spring. So um, the the book thing's going well. All right. So uh, spring 2013. Look for Wicked Good Burgers. Where are you going to be uh, competing at next, Chris? Uh, I'm I'm uh, going to be competing next at the Jack Daniels World Championship. All right. So uh, we're saving up for the big one. Uh, he is the pit master of IQ Barbecue Team. You'll see them down at the Jack Daniels. In October, Chris, always appreciate the time. Good luck, and thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks, Greg. See you. You got it. There he is, Chris Hart. Eleven times. Eleven times he's been down at the Jack. How many times you been down? How many times you been down? Eleven. I'll bet 
at least $8.76 that Chris has been to the Jack Daniels more times than Myron Mixon because, if I'm not mistaken, they went down, or they, they were, I think they were the same, 10 years. Damn. But I don't think Myron went last year. And I think that's what put Chris over the edge in regards to getting over. Um, Gone Hogan, you're in this year, right? You're in. I saw it. I've never been in the competition, but I do partake in a uh, succulent libation every once in a while, if you know what I mean. Hey, yo. Um, we're going to come back and wrap up the first hour of the show. Don, let's not even talk about remotes. Let's not even do it. Not talking. We're not talking about it. Not gun that. <laughs> not gun that. I, aside from having a, no- I got an issue with my Bubba keg all of a sudden. That's a different story. Anybody familiar with how the vents things like mine is actually starting to peel off? The rivets rotted out, and now the the caulking is starting to come down. Got a problem with that. Anyway, I do also have a pellet cooker. And the first person I thought of to call when I got that pellet cooker was Candy Weaver from Barbecuer's Delight because they make what is widely considered to be uh, the pellet to use for your pellet-fired cookers. You can find them at bbqrsdelight.com. Now, maybe you don't have a pellet cooker, no problem. You can still take advantage of the pellet revolution on your gas or charcoal grill or smoker by grabbing the cast iron pot option. Buy yourself a nice sampler pack of pellets, load one-third cup into the pot, and then place it in your cooker or grill. Let that sweet succulent smoke take care of the rest. Now, since pellets have been processed from sawdust by pressure that generates heat, any contaminants in those wood are eliminated, and this produces a sterile smoking wood product of consistent quality, and pellets are easy to use since you don't have to soak them in the water prior to use. And it's easy to blend wood flavors. It produce consistent results each and every time with the use of Barbecuer's Delight wood pellets. Here's something to remember. If you're using it to fire your cooker, it's not straight 100% wood. Anybody telling you that that's the way to go, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, some wood doesn't burn at a high BTU temperature that you need to keep that cooker running at the right temperature, not to be redundant. Candy Weaver and the experts at Barbecuers Delight have determined that a blend of two-thirds oak and one-third flavor wood is the right recipe to ensure consistent smoke flavor and BTU temperatures. So head on over to Barbecuers Delight right now. Visit them at bbqrsdelight.com. Check out all the flavors that they have and stop fussing with the stips and the, the stips, sticks and the chunks. Again, that's bbqrsdelight.com. The choice of competition cooked in backyard hacks like me. BBQRSDelight.com. Barbecuers Delight. Check them out. All right, we'll wrap up the first hour, and then we'll be pointing to the Ribs Roundtable. Coming up right after this. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Network. Big name in 
advice on cooking brisket and ribs. And the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far? I never asked for this. I never asked for this fast living. The women, the whiskey. Uh, just past Craziness. five minutes till the top of the hour. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Clint has a bag of barbecues right on his desk right now. Roll your own, eh, buddy? Get it? Are you supposed to have, uh, Clint, are you supposed to have people call me, get in contact with me? People? Still waiting. Still waiting. Hey, let's review what happened this past hour. We had uh, Sam the Cooking Guy. I need to call you. Email me your phone number. I don't. I need to keep only the most top men in my phone book. I'm not saying you're not top men. Email me the phone number. I'll call you. Um, Sam Zion, Sam the Cooking Guy, joined me. He was the first guest tonight. I would cover a number of different topics, buying in bulk spices, saving money, a lot of money, using the fresh herbs when you can, the Vertical Earth Garden. Uh, search Vertical Earth Garden on Google. Look at these things. These are phenomenal. Phenomenal. I wish I could get one, except I'd have, to, I'd have no idea where I'd store it for eight months out here. This also talked about some great recipes, the hoisin chicken empanada, the uh, cedar grilled salmon, a brown sugar, a cedar plank, done. Or wait, brown sugar, salmon, done. Cedar plank would be the third ingredient, I guess. And then, of course, uh, leading off the show. I'm sorry. And then after that, we, we just got done talking with Ch- um, Chris Hart from IQ. About the Jack Daniels coming up. 11th time down. Not too shabby. Of course, we kicked off the show with Chad Ward, Whiskey Bend Barbecue in the Pit. And uh, congratulating him on his first year of internet radio stardom in regards to the barbecue world. So thanks to my three guests there. Uh, we will point to the second hour for competition ribs roundtable. I'm going to get out right now. So uh, we'll reload for that. Stick around. We'll be right back. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish. What? He ate 54 wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with junior, senior, and diva. Sounds like a whole other type of movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really. Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, we are into the second hour. Uh, 
I'm trying to figure out if I type Tim's phone number in incorrectly. Bear with Tim. Let's see. Oh, wait, is he on? Well, this is horrifically unprofessional. We're going to go do a roll call. Tim, are you online? Yes, sir. Tim is on. And John Patty? John, you there? Oh, John is online. And Scott Nelson? Scott, you there? Oh boy, we got trouble. Let's see, Scott, are you there? Scott? Mm, no, Scott. All right, uh, guys, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna call back. I'm gonna end this call. I'm gonna call you guys right back. Stand by. Right there. Call group. Try my hardest, guys. Try. Oh, hate that. Tim, are you on with us? Tim? Wow. Yes, I'm here. All right, uh, John, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, I'm getting a terrible howling from somebody. Uh, I think it's coming from your end. What's that? I think it may be coming from your end. I'm yeah. hearing the same thing. It could be coming from... Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's try this. Let me. Uh, do you guys have phone access? Well, I know Tim does, obviously. Uh, John, do you have phone access? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me give you a number, and then uh, John or Tim, go ahead and take this number down too, and then just call me back. Thanks. Number down. Number down. You guys ready for this number? Yeah. Sure. It's going to be two one six. Two one six. Two two zero. Zero nine six six. So uh, I'm gonna, you guys got that? Uh, I'm gonna hang up and just go ahead and uh, call that number back, and uh, we should be good to go. All right, thank you. Wow, a horrific turnabout. Now we got to try and get this number in real quick. Six. Let me see here. Scott calls. I thought this was the right number. Hello. Scott. Yes. All right, this is Greg. 
I'm ready to talk some ribs, baby. Yeah, well, we're having horrific technical difficulties. I see you figured out who the head cook at our team is because you called my wife's phone first. Oh, is that what I did? Yeah, you got to call the boss first. <laughs> right, I'm waiting for uh, Tim and uh, Tim and John to call me here, and then we should be ready to go. I'll yeah. even I'll even do the very. They're perf- always bringing up the rear. Uh, all right, here's Tim coming in. Add to conference <laughs> call. Tim. Yes, sir. All right, Tim is in. And then we are uh, waiting for John Patty. <clears throat> and then we should be uh, should be ready to go here. And here he comes. You good, Scott? Yeah, Scott is in. And uh, John, you I'm there in. now? You there, John? Yes. All right, great. Everybody's there. Now, let me do my uh, fabulous talk up here, because you guys deserve it for hanging with me here. All right, so we're in the second hour, ready to start the third installment of the competition roundtable for 2012. Tonight we are covering ribs with the top three rib cooks in KCBS. Joining me tonight, Scott Nelson from Pigskin Barbecue, number one in ribs, uh, ranked the third overall for Team of the Year, by the way. John Patty for JP Custom Smoke is number two in ribs right now, ninth overall for Team of the Year. And Tim Grant of True Bud Barbecue, currently third in ribs, and eighth overall for Team of the Year. And more importantly, a guy that's keeping hair on my head as we speak. So, Tim, you know I have a special affinity for you in this whole bet that I have going on with Chad Ward. But nevertheless, uh, gentlemen, thanks for so much for coming on and talking ribs tonight. Uh, before we get into some of that preparatory stuff, uh, we'll start with Scott and we'll go down the line. Uh, what's everybody cooking on? We're cooking on the backwoods. Uh, charcoal smoker on the bottom, water pan up above, vertical smoker. And that's the only thing you're cooking on? Two of them. We're cooking on two backwoods, fat boys. All right, two uh, backwood fat boys. Uh, Tim Grant, what are you cooking on? Well, we got a uh, we got a jambo. Cook on a jambo. And is that the only cooker you guys use in competition? That is. All right, and John Patty. I'm cooking on one I custom built myself. Uh, do so. Obviously, it's a one of a kind. Are are you able to give some type of a verbal description to the people? Um, that you know, is it like a, an offset or is it a cabinet style? What do you What do you have? Yeah, it's it's an offset. It uh, resembles a jambo, but the interior and the way we change the flow, it's it's a little quite a bit, a little different. All right, so uh, we have a couple uh, stick burners and then uh, vertical there for uh, Scott with the backwoods. Um, before we get into this, uh, the meat of the subject, uh, pun intended. Uh, Tim, have you ever eaten any kind of exotic rib that wouldn't be uh, pork or beef? Um, no, I have not. No fish bone ribs or sheep ribs or anything like that? No, none, <laughs> nothing like that. Scott, any exotic rib eating going on over there from time to time? Uh, I think uh, the only thing exotic I've tried was one time I had one of Tim's ribs and it tasted pretty exotic. That was about it. <laughs> uh, John, any uh, exotic ribs uh, through your palate over time? No, not, not us, man. We're not there. <laughs> All right, so uh, nothing crazy, which uh, I personally uh, you know, like to hear, keeping it real. Uh, John, one last question for you, and then we'll get some of the other panel members' thoughts. You know, you see gurus, you see the uh, pellet cookers basically tending fire and pit temperature control. Uh, Would you like to see competition barbecue open up to all kinds of cookers, gas, electric at this point? Uh, Do you you care? Would you still like to see it kind of the way it is, John? 
I really don't think it matters now. I mean, once it's controlled by electricity or whatever, I don't, I don't think it matters. So if you want to open the game up, we're, we're open for it. Uh, Tim, similar thoughts? Would you like to see everybody just have free reign now? Oh, I, I probably would differ with John. Um, I, you know, I I don't mind the uh, pellet cookers, but, uh, you know, I... I definitely have to work at, uh, you know, with a jambo, you definitely got to work all night long. And I think that's just part of the competition. So, you know, I think it'd probably be, you know, making a gas smoker and whatnot. I mean, that, I don't know, that'd be kind of questionable. But if if you have a, a device that you can set a temperature at, which is the same thing that you could do with a propane or electric cooker, uh, I mean, it's really not causing the pitmaster to go, you know, over and above exertion. Like you said, I mean, you're actually feeding a fire and having to know uh, some semblance of fire management. Um, if you take that away, what could it possibly add more popularity to the sport without uh, such segregation of, of the propane and electric cookers? Well, I guess it's a possibility. I mean, I guess I would have to. I've never really thought about it. I mean, I'm not. You know, I've got a lot of friends that use pellet cookers, and, um, you know, I've, I've got a pellet cooker myself that I use sometimes during the winter time, as far as, and I use it to cook pet parties and stuff like that. But, uh, um, you know, I don't know. I just think there should be, should be a little bit, there should be a little bit of work that one should put into it to get the product out, I guess. Scott, what about you? Uh, open it up to electric and, and gas cookers or no? Yeah, I think open it up. I mean, I think it's uh, barbecue's enough work in my opinion uh, without having to manage the fire. If you want to manage it, I think you got to add a benefit to it. You know, I, I heard Roger I don't think the most teams ever won the TCBS without cook on offset. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a different flavor profile it puts on. I don't think gas would give anybody any extra benefit. So, I'd say bring it on. All right, uh, guys. So let's go ahead and get into a couple questions of pre-cook here before the first break. Uh, we'll start with Tim Grant from True Bud Barbecue. Uh, Tim, are you cooking spares or baby backs? I cook spare ribs. And are you uh, just cooking whole spares? Um, are you trimming down uh, St. Louis style? No, I definitely trim them. I mean, you got basically, you know, I've tried to cook a number of different ribs over the few past few years, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I like to be able to trim them, make them my own size. You can make them perfect that way. John Patty, you cooking uh, baby backs or spares? I'm running baby backs this year. Started out with spares. Didn't seem to have flavor with the baby backs. Scored a couple times, and I don't know, maybe going back to spares the last two times, I got my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing spares, are you uh, trimming them down like Tim does, or do you have some type of a different process? Yeah, yeah we'll go down to St. Louis style, try to get them as clean as we can. And, uh, Scott, we'll finish with you. Uh, baby backs or spares? We are cooking spare ribs. We uh, we buy them pre-trimmed off of a off a whole pre-trimmed in the St. Louis style, and then we trim a little extra on top of that. So. All right, you know I've seen more and more of the brisket. Now I see some pork uh, and, and chicken, where people are going to specific purveyors versus going to the big box stores like they had in years past. Um, Scott, are you going to a special uh, ribs butcher or, or ribs purveyor for your stuff that you're cooking at competition? No, we're buying the best ribs that we can find, and it actually varies from contest to contest what uh, what brand they are. Uh, Tim, is True Bud going to a uh, special ribs purveyor for your product for competition? 
Uh, yeah, we we buy this we we bought the same product for the last two years. Um, you know, I really don't stray away from what I really know and just try you know try to get the same product out of the from the same supplier. Is it something that's just local to you guys, or could other people find it? Oh, anybody. I mean, it's uh, it's not just local to us. I mean, you know, I've cooked IBPs. I've cooked this, um, you know, that's not the seaboards or, you know, it's just uh, um, trying to find a good good rib with a good, you know, good meat on it. And, and uh, we just buy it from a wholesaler. John, are you using a specific purveyor for ribs, um, or you just go to the, the big box stores and, and get what, what they got? Yeah. No, we just go out to Sam's and pick everything up pretty much there. All right, uh, John, let me stay with you for this question. We'll take a quick break. Uh, how many racks are you cooking typically for a competition? We only do three. Three racks for John. Uh, Scott, how many racks do you cook? We cook six to seven because we don't have any, a hard time getting rid of them at the end. So we like the options. And uh, t- Well, uh, Scott, had you ever cooked less at some point? Yeah, last year we were cooking just four racks of ribs, uh, and this year we bumped it up because we have a lot of friends and family that want them when we're done, and we keep giving them the ones that we took a bite out of already, so we cook a few extras. Uh, Tim, how many racks are you cooking at a, an event? Uh, we cook five racks. Five racks, all right. And then w- was there a point when you were cooking more or less? Um, last year I cooked four, and for some reason I just wanted to an extra, just an extra one, just to give me a little bit more options. All right, so uh, there you are, right, guys. Uh, please uh, sit back, refresh drinks if you need to. Now that we've got the uh, technical issues worked out here, well, we'll go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll come back with more of the uh, pre-cooked Hi, this is Greg, deals. The host of the Barbecue Central Radio. Oh show. my God, it's just lightning all over the place. Uh, quickly, let me tell you about the guy that caters to all of the barbecue stars when it comes to jewelry. You know who it is. It's Stephen DeFranco right here in downtown Willoughby, Ohio. Look, here's the bottom line. You know, especially for guys. We're not jewelry wearers per se. Some guys are. Most guys aren't. You know, there's not a lot of things that you can wear that uh, make you still uh, feel like a man, if you will. But look, how about a watch? How about, you know, a nice ring? Or, conversely, maybe you haven't been the best husband or boyfriend or whatever it is, and you need to get out of that doghouse. You don't want to go to the mall, spend all sorts of crazy money, know you're getting jammed up on markup. Eliminate all of that. Know somebody in the business. Guess what now you do? It's Stephen DeFranco uh, right here in Cleveland, Ohio. So you go to stephendefranco.com. Last name is D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O, DeFranco, stephendefranco.com. And then you look at what he has. And then simply place a call once you've found it. Maybe you found a watch, maybe a necklace, maybe some type of glass jewelry, whatever the case may be. He's got a lot of inventory to choose from. And it's all there. It can be custom made as well. You call him. It's just that simple. 440-943-2700. You ask for Steve. Say, hey, Steve. Saw this watch. Saw this necklace. Blah, blah, blah. I listen to the radio show, and I want the Barbecue Brother or Sister, because some ladies listen to the show as well, and I want that Barbecue Brother or Sister discount. And watch the dollars fall off like crazy. And as always, you're going to get it shipped to you for free. You're going to get crazy unmatched customer service before and after the sale, and you can be confident 
that when you're spending money with Steve, you're spending with somebody who is an independent jeweler and he knows the business, so he's going to counsel you correctly, and he's somebody who supports this show as well. And I do a lot of business outside of uh, this show with Steve. I buy watches from him and jewelry for my wife and all this stuff. So I'm supporting a sponsor as well. I would ask you to do the same thing. StephenDeFranco.com, 440-943-2700. Again, tell me your barbecue brother or sister. Ask for him specifically. Demand Steve. And uh, watch the savings. Steve, anxiously awaiting your call. 943-2700. Area code 440. We're coming back with the ribs roundtable. More of the uh, prep stuff. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we're back with the Ribs Roundtable, 877-440-0433. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Tim Grant, True Bud Barbecue, John Patty, J.P. Custom Smoke, Scott Nelson, Pigskin Barbecue Makeup Panel. And we go back to the prep stuff. Guys, thanks for hanging with me through the break. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. As far as the trimming of the ribs, uh, we know you trim down into that St. Louis style. Um, do you go back and, and do any additional trimming? You taking that uh, membrane off the backside? Uh, what else do you have trimming wise that you're doing in the ribs? Yeah, we're obviously taking the membrane off the backside, and we uh, on the first rib side is usually a hump there, maybe some loin meat left over. We trim that off. We try and keep the ribs as straight as we can. So we're usually cutting some bone down to try and keep them nice and straight, and that's about it. Uh, Tim, what kind of a, an additional trimming are you doing to the to the ribs? Well, that's about that's that's Scott summed it up. I mean, I'm pretty much right behind Scott's shoulder watching him trim his ribs, and I'm doing exactly like he is. So, shigging never hurt anybody. John Patty, what are you doing additionally? Uh, any trimming or removing of the membrane, uh, membrane, uh, membrane, anything like that? Actually, on baby backs, there's not a lot you can do other than, you know, pull the membrane off and, and uh, pat them down, put a little honey on them, and we use our own rub on them and do it the night before and, and uh, cross your fingers and hope for the best the next day. All right, John, let's not shoot our wad all over the place here. Let's just answer the questions that are at hand. These will pee. John, we'll start back with you because you kind of broached the subject nicely with rub and stuff. Do you use a different rub for your ribs than you would for your pork? No. Uh, we use actually, our own rub. No, no. Whoa, whoa. Uh, sorry, that's, this was John. Oh. Sorry, we'll get we'll get to you here in a I second. Apologize. Sorry about that. That's right. Go ahead, John. Go ahead, John. No, we use our own rub. We use the same rub that we, uh, JP Custom Blair, we use it on ribs and pork. All right, uh, Scott, are you using a different rub on your uh, ribs than you would on your pork butt? I'm sorry, i got to stop being so antsy. We're, we're using uh, slightly different, but for the most part, it's the same. Uh, flavor we put pro- one extra thing on our ribs, money rub on our, on, our, uh, on our ribs and happy ending on our ribs, but other than that, it's the same. All right, uh, Tim, are you using a different rub for your ribs versus your pork shoulders? Uh, yes, I am. I don't use the same rub on my ribs as I do with my pork butts. 
And what would you say that like the flavor profile differences are, or why are you making that differentiation from a rib to a pork butt? You ask me, yes, Craig? yes, yep. Um, well, my my ribs, I want um, them to be fairly spicy, and I don't want my pork to be spicy. It's it's more of a sweet, so um, I'm I'm more on the you know I I definitely want a sweet or a spicy profile on my ribs. And are you using rubs, Tim, that are uh, commercially available? Somebody else's, you know, stuff that's on the market. Or are you guys making your own stuff? Uh, we're making our own stuff. Uh, soon to be for sale, potentially. Do we have breaking news? Uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, see what happens. All right. We're, we're definitely thinking about it. Um, Tim, let's start with you, since we're uh, ending with you here. Do you use any kind of adherent? to the meat, a Worcestershire sauce, a, a yellow mustard bath, or anything like that to, to get that rub on there and stick on there? Well, it's kind of funny, the mustard story, but uh, no, we don't use mustard, any type of sauce. I mean, we just kind of, you know, we just we just put it on. It, it seems to stick okay without really using anything. All right, so what's the mustard story? Well, we really never understood why mustard we use. And back in the Royal, you know, those days back when we really qualify ourselves as cook, cooks, we just used to make fun of everybody that put mustard on stuff. So we never really even understood that story. So covering something in mustard was more of a humorous idea to us than really, you know, why it was used. Uh, Scott, you using any type of adherent prior to getting that rub on so it sticks nice? No, none, none you, you don't use anything. Scott. Is the question is the question still for me, Greg? No, it was uh, Scott. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. I uh, we just we take our ribs out about a half an hour before we rub them. They kind of uh, warm up a little bit and they're a little moist, so we just put the rub right on that. It sticks fine. And uh, John, using any adherent before you put the the JP Custom Smoke rub on there? We put down we put down a layer of honey. It just kind of helps it. I think it makes it uh, stick a little better, and, and it sweats a little earlier, and that's what we're looking for. Now, uh, Scott just alluded to this a second ago. Uh, John, let me ask you first, uh, since we ended with you on the last question. Uh, are, are you bringing out the ribs to let them sit out or kind of come up to a, a room temperature, if you will, um, or, or is it pretty much you know from the cooler, uh, rub it down, and then you know back to the cooler? Does it go right on the cooker at that point? No, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, we, we'll pull them out, pull the membrane, throw some honey down, throw our rub on it, wrap it, and put it back in the refrigerator. And the next morning, we'll pull it out, and we'll go straight to the smoker. It's, it never sets out and gets room temperature. Uh, Tim Grant, are you uh, doing something similar to what John is doing, or will you let the, room, uh, the ribs come up to a, uh, a warmer temperature than they are coming out of a cooler? Well, um I mean, a little different. I mean, on Thursday nights, we're cutting everything up. We're, that's when we're taking the membrane off. I mean, all of our meat is prepared Thursday night. When we get to the contest, there's, you know, we don't cut anything, ribs, chicken, brisket. I mean, it's all done. And then, uh, you know, once it's checked, um, right before I am seasoning it, I'll let it rest a little bit, bring it up to a little bit better temperature so it will adhere a little bit better. 
And uh, we'll go ahead and end with Scott. Uh, well, Scott, you're, you're letting you said uh, come up to room temperature. Like, how far in advance are you leaving them out? Uh, we leave them out a full hour before we put them in. We put the rub on a half an hour after they've been out and put them in a half an hour later. All right. Um, next question, and we'll go to Tim Grant for this one. This might seem like a, a stupid question, and I apologize if I'm offending anyone, but it wasn't stupid five, six years ago when we were talking about ribs and chicken and pork butt. Uh, Tim, are you uh, injecting or are you brining your ribs at all for additional flavor? No. Ever tried it? Don't lie. No, I haven't. Never? Never tried it. All right. Nope. Uh, Scott, uh, brine or inject your ribs? Nope. I uh, have not tried it or seen anyone do it, except on TV. Do you know anybody that does it? Uh, only on TV. I think I saw uh, DBQ injecting their ribs once on a TV show. Other than that, I don't know anybody that does it, no. Uh, John, ever messed around with brining or uh, injecting ribs? No, not with ribs. Uh, ever tried it? John, you ever tried it? Oh, no. No, the only thing I ever did crazy was when I first started cooking was buy a big old can of peaches and I'd drain the juice off of them and, and roll them up, throw them into a baggie and pour that peach juice on them. And it wasn't bad. <laughs> wasn't bad. I didn't have to try it again. <laughs> All right, uh, Tim, any other preparation items that I haven't asked you about that you do on a regular basis that you could share with us? Um, no, I don't think so. I think you we covered about everything. All right, uh, Scott, anything else you're doing in a preparatory sense before they uh, go into the cooking portion? Uh, no, I'm thinking I usually do a, a, a good luck rib dancer before you put them in. But other than that, that's about it. And uh, what would that look like? Is that something that we might be able to catch on the YouTubes or something like that? No, you, you don't want to see that, Greg. It's, uh, we caught it on accident one time, and it's not pretty. So. Oh. That's a dance that needs to be done in the uh, in the privacy of the Easy Upper or trailer, I would imagine. If we're, if we're lucky yeah, enough tra- to finish trailer with the blinds closest. <laughs> if we're lucky enough to finish Team of the Year in Ribs this year, then it'll be on YouTube. Uh, hey, we'll hold you to that. You've said it on the air, so now it's uh, Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock. Uh, John, anything else that you're doing to the ribs uh, preparatory-wise before they hit the cooker? John. John. No, sorry. No. Yep. No. Okay. John is not doing anything. He's also falling asleep. I apologize, John. Um, let's go to the cooking section. And uh, we'll go back to John. What kind of a wood do you use for smoke flavor on the ribs? Run pecan, a little bit of cherry, and coals. Now, are you um, are you using that recipe through some of the other meats, or, or is it different wood for different meats? No, we pretty well stick with the same thing. We just we just try to be cooled down when the ribs come on, and and throw a huge chunk of pecan on there, and and uh, very little cherry and throw a handful of coals in. That's where we seem to be getting our flavor is, is off of the three. Tim, smoke wood flavor, what do you use? Um, we, we use pecan as well. And Scott? We use uh, apple. 
Is uh, is pecan readily available for you, Tim? Is that something that you can just go down to the, the wood orchard and grab or somebody's backyard, or do you have to find that somewhere? No, usually I. that's when all the, all the other teams are sleeping at the contest. We usually try to go around and you know, <laughs> raise our stash because it's really hard to get Kansas. But, uh, you know, when we're not doing that, we, we, ha- we actually have a tree friend that uh, – cuts trees for a living and he uh, every time he finds this one which it's been over a year now that he's found one but um it was pretty hard to find here in kansas but we, we've done a pretty good job of finding what we, what we have gotten john are, are you able to have a fairly consistent source of uh, pecan wood for you to pick up yeah we're real fortunate on that end we have a wood sponsor out of uh out of pickwall kansas it's cnc wood and he can get you all the pecan or apple, cherry, hickory. He can get you anything you want. And uh, we've been real happy with that. He, he's a re- very good, good source. Scott, have you always used the apple? I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of apple myself. It's my favorite wood to smoke with. Uh, have you used other blends or other uh, straight woods before? Yeah, we've tried other things at home, but uh, apple seems to turn out good for us with the ribs. So we've always used apple in competition. Uh, Tim, let me ask you this. What temperature are you running that jambo at when you're cooking the ribs? Well, it's it's we we cook at 275. All, all the way through, or you, you raise and lower a little bit? Um, not on purpose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Scott, are you? what are you keeping the pit temperature at while you're cooking ribs? We keep it at 275 because we have a stoker, so it always stays at 275. And uh, John Patty, what are you uh, cooking ribs at, temperature-wise? We're running at 265. All right, so everybody within uh, 10 degrees. Uh, I mean, John, you you know a lot of competition cooks out there. You've been doing this for a long time. Um, are you seeing, you know, this kind of a variance between cooks nowadays where you might be only varying, you know, 10, 15 degrees? Uh, you know, where you're at the higher end, I guess, what would be considered true barbecue temperatures? I really don't know what everybody else is doing. I, I hear guys talk that they're cooking at 275 to 300, and we've tried it, and just it just doesn't seem to come out the way it does if we stay down there a little bit lower and slower. All right. When you're cooking the ribs, John, are you uh, putting them on for a designated period of time, um, or are, are there other factors going into it before you, you start finishing them up? No, I like to try to run around two hours before I before I get wrapped, and I like to run around two hours. I base it off of color. You know, every rib's different out there. Um, I base off of color, and and uh, once I get my color, it's going to get wrapped. It could get wrapped in an hour and a half or two hours and fifteen minutes. So I just kind of keep an eye on it, and when I think it's getting pretty, and and hopefully I can finish it, <laughs> that's when I go ahead and wrap it. All right, so uh, that answers my next question, which was at some point do you uh, wrap the ribs in foil during the cook? So that's a yes for John. Uh, Scott, we'll go to you for that question. At some point during the cook, are you wrapping or, or foiling those ribs? Yeah, we uh, we always wrap it after three hours, and how long it stays in the wrap depends on how far along the rib looks to us and where it's at in the cook. Are you shooting for a designated period of time, like if it cooks for five hours, uh, do you not want it to get that far? Um, is there a is there a, a drop dead time for you to get them off? 
I mean, just turn in time, but I mean, it doesn't matter to us how long they stay on. We usually take them off in enough time before we turn them in that we're okay. So when we take them out to uh, wrap them, we're assessing each rib and deciding how long it's going to go in. And based on where it looks to us on how far it's pulled back and how tender it feels is what level of smoker it goes in. So we always take the top rack off first and second and third, depending on where we place them in. Tim, are you foiling the ribs at some point? Uh, Yeah. We're wrapping them in foil, and I mean, we do the same same stuff Scott uh, was talking about. I mean, you know, depending on where they're going on on the smoker, and depends on what time they go on the smoker, depending on the weather and what how you know if it's rainy, if it's cold, if it's really hot, if it's humid. I mean, it kind of goes on at a different time. And then uh, um, wrapping generally is the same, depending on what time it goes on, how long into the cook is when we're going to wrap it. And at that point in time, we're kind of determined how long, you know, we want the ribs to be at a certain point. And uh, my partner and I are checking them just to see if they're where they should be to, you know, kind of judge how they're going to come out when we are, we're going to be pulling them off. Uh, Tim, let me stay with you for this question. Are you adding anything to the foiling process? You know, there was a parquet at one point. I see people adding a brown sugar or some other type of liquid like an apple juice or a tiger sauce or some crazy shit like that. Are you, what do you, are you putting any other stuff in there? Yeah, I'm put, I'm putting other stuff in them. Anything you want to share with us tonight, Tim? Um, not particularly. I was going to say that's a no. <laughs> uh, Scott, are you putting anything into the foil additionally? Oh yeah, we'll definitely putting some. Once, once again, we'll add our rub, and then we'll let, we'll add a layer of brown sugar, and we'll squirt a little apple juice in there just so that brown sugar doesn't burn when you get it in foil, and uh, wrap her up and go. All right, uh, Scott, putting anything in the foil there? Yeah, it sounds about like John's. We're putting brown sugar and some apple juice and some honey and some rub in there. Have you ever uh, messed around with any weird exotic ingredients like uh, like that tiger sauce or some other, you know, sauce stuff? Or pretty much stay true to what you've been doing. We cook a lot at home. We cook ridiculously large amounts at home. It seems like we'll cook the contest and then we'll cook twice during the week. So we've tried lots of different stuff at home. We tried Asian ribs and we put jelly in with it and all sorts of stuff. But uh, we. <laughs> In the concept, I think we've only straight one time and it didn't work out so well. So pretty much that's what we stick with at the contest. Uh, John, let me go back to you for this question. How are you evaluating or from your experienced eye for the people that aren't nearly as experienced as me, how do you know when the ribs are done? What what are you looking for? What do they look like? I wish I could tell you that on a baby back. <laughs> I don't know. I, I open them one time when I think they're going to be done. I'll open them up and look at it, and then I'll make a decision whether I'm going to go 15 or 30 minutes longer. And those baby backs are crazy. Um, sometimes the they'll pull back off of the bone. That's hard to judge. I've had them too tender. They've never pulled off the bone. I've had them pull back off the bone quarter to a half inch. It'd be tough. Uh, I can't answer that question on a baby back, but on a spare rib, I look for a hairline crack. And if you see a hairline crack anywhere in between that bone, you're you're on. All right, and that's what we've experienced. Do you set a sauce uh, or a glaze prior to take them off the cooker, John? No, we'll pull them off. We'll let them rest, and and right before they 
15 minutes before they get cut, we'll we'll glaze it, set them back on the smoker open, and, and get a little glaze on it, and, and uh, turn it loose. Uh, Tim Grant, how do you tell when your ribs are done? What are you looking for? Um, and actually, it's not about the look; it's about the feel. Um, we're totally relying on feel. When I'm cutting them up, I'm actually um, feeling. Um, using my hands, I could I could probably tell you that a rib is done by just feeling it versus looking at it. So, what kind of a, a of a palpable feel are you are you looking for? How do you what does it feel like when it's done to you? Well, I mean, it's it would be you know I'm I'm checking that tenderness, I guess. Uh, you know, just trying to make sure that it's not rubbery. I mean, you know, there's a soft texture there and and how it's been cut. Um, you know, when I'm cutting them up. I'm, I'm basically saying this one is a this one's a candidate and this one is not. I mean, it's just as I'm going through the the different uh, slabs, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm looking at. And are you, for. are you are you setting a sauce or a glaze, Tim, when you before you take them off? Um, I'm before I take them off. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm putting it on once I take them off. All right, uh, Scott. What are you looking for or feeling for to let you know that the ribs are a okay to take off? Uh, you know, when they pull back, I mean, Tim pretty much hit it. When they pull back a quarter inch or so, and and we really go mostly by feel. They want to be kind of like you said, not not necessarily rubbery, but definitely flimsy, tender. Uh, we don't want the bones to fall out, but as close as you can get, almost without uh, doing that. And are you setting any type of uh, sauce or glaze prior to getting them off, Scott? No, we don't set any sauce. We take them out and let them rest, and then sauce them after that. All right. Uh, any other things that you're doing during the cook, Scott, that I have not mentioned yet? Or that, that we haven't covered? Uh, no, that pretty much nails it. That's what we do. All right, Tim, anything that you're doing during that cook that I haven't asked you about yet that you'd like to share? Um, No. And, John, anything that you're doing? Uh, yeah, actually, we started Bloody Mary about eight thirty and ten o'clock shots. Ah, well, there you go. Absolutely, got to do that, right? That's, that's the recipe. Absolutely. All right, so uh, guys, uh, one quick break here before we get into the uh, post cook stuff about turning boxes and how you're uh, selecting ribs and all that fun stuff. So uh, refresh your drinks. Get ready for one last segment, and I will talk to everybody else about. Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue. Uh, look, this guy is a businessman. He is trying to make sure that all of his customers are happy. And not only is he trying to make sure that his customers are happy, he's also trying to make sure that people that are not his customers, his competitors' customers, happy. How is he doing this? Let me give you a hypothetical situation, which is like real life. Uh, have you ever bought an injection and it hasn't worked out for you? Have the scores dropped? Now it's just sitting around collecting dust. It's probably never going to be used again. What to do? Before, nothing. But now you can trade it in pound for pound. All you have to do is go to ButcherBBQ.com and click on the trade-in link. And once you get there, fill out the form, print it off, seal up your trade, mail it to Dave. He will send you back in return the Butcher Barbecue beef or pork or prime injection. Look, we all do it. You spend some money only to find out that the product is bad. And now the wife is pissed because you could have taken her out on the town instead of buying that crappy injection. How many times has this been a situation you have found yourself in? Spend your money on a product when you realize that it is not great, you're in a terrible pickle. 
You won't use it again, but it was too expensive to just throw out. In the past, you were screwed. But not with a new trade-in program at Butcher Barbecue. Butchers will match it pound for pound. You have nothing to lose, only great products to gain that have been time-tested by many of the award-winning pitmasters across KCBS, FBA, IBCA. You name it, they probably use it and they win with it. Um, now, Butchers will only honor commercially made products along with the partial or complete label. Limit to five pounds per item per household. Every item will be weighed, and uh, all those amounts are final. According to Dave, if you have any questions, contact him directly at the ButcherBBQ.com website. It's the trade-in program. It's happening now. ButcherBBQ.com is just one more way for you to trust your butcher. And when we come back, we'll talk about the post-cook events as we continue the competition ribs roundtable. Stick around. We'll be right back. Seven seven four four eight zero four three three to get on the air. Now here's your host, Greg Rampy. Hey, welcome back. To the competition ribs roundtable. We're talking with Tim Grant from True Bud Barbecue, John Patty of JP Custom Smoke, and Scott Nelson, Pigskin Barbecue. All right, uh, let's go to Tim Grant for this one uh, regarding turning boxes. Tim, what are you guys using for garnish out there? Um, we actually use, I've used parsley for a long time, and actually um, we're using combination of parsley and lettuce. And that seems to be uh, working out okay for you guys right now? Yep. Scott, what are you uh, decorating the box with these days? We're using parsley, straight parsley. And, and it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, that was going to be my follow-up question. Uh, John, what are you using for garnish in the box? We go all parsley, and I turn that over to the wife. Just as soon as that starts happening, I leave. So, I mean, look, people say parsley, immediately thoughts of vomiting or crapping your drawers come to mind, uh, or war stories that I've heard because it takes outrageously long uh, John, I mean, you're not doing it, but how long is it taking your wife to, to put together a box? Is she more efficient at it? Oh, by far. I wouldn't do a solo cook. Without her, um, I'll stay home. Uh, she does very well. It takes her about 10 minutes to put a box together, and that depends on the parsley, too. If, if you've got really good parsley, which we've been lucky this year, we've had some great parsley, and uh, it makes her job a lot easier. Scott, how long is it taking you to put together a box? Uh, my wife does them also. I can't take any credit for that, but uh, she does them pretty quick. I mean, we do them uh, before we go to a contest, so when we get there, we do the double flip and finish it off. So when we're at a contest, it probably only takes for 10 minutes a box, but before, I would say 20 to 30 minutes a box. All right, we'll go back to Tim for this question, and everybody's kind of made reference to it, but you know, a little bit more of a, of a timetable here. Um, you've taken them off. You've allowed these ribs to rest you know how long of a rest time are you getting before you're adding any type of a uh, a sauce to them and getting them back on for like final glaze you asking me greg yes tim uh, about 15 minutes for me all right and uh scott what's your uh hold time before they uh get sauce again uh, usually 15 minutes, but it depends on when we take them off. Uh, some of them stay on a little longer, and so they don't get arrested as long because 
because of the time frame when we have to turn them in. But I would say on average about 15 minutes. Uh, John, do you have a, a particular hold time that you're looking for prior to getting that sauce and a glaze on? Yeah, yeah, I'm quite always off from them, guys. I'm, I'm, I shoot for 45 minutes. Wow. Uh, any particular reason? Uh, it just seems to work. <laughs> I don't know why. That's what happened in the beginning, and that's still going on. It just seems to work. All right. Um, how are you choosing the ribs to turn in from the slabs, John? What are you looking for? Oh, what I'm looking for in the ribs. Oh. Much tell. This is uh, we're going I'm to sorry. John here, and then we'll go to Scott. I apologize. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. Go ahead, John. Uh, what I'm looking for a rib whenever I pick it up out of the meat market is that your question? No. When you're cutting it off the slab to turn in, what are you looking for to make the box? Oh, the most moist. I mean, when you start cutting into a rib, you're going to get into the rib where it's going to be more moist at one point than it will be the other. And you pick that point, and if you can't find it in that rack, you go to the next rack, and you just look for all the moisture, and, and then you got to try every rib uh, out of each rack that you cook, see which one has the flavor, because they're, they all cook up different. So... You, you just got to take the best flavor and the most moisture you can get and turn them in. You may not get your best presentation, but you'll get good ribs in the box. And we don't mind a lower score on presentation. I'd rather have that than lower score on taste and tenderness. So we go for the most moist and, and tender. Scott, similar process uh, that you're doing, you, you're looking for something a little different. No, that's the same thing that uh, that we're doing. We're going for the mo- most moist and tender. And usually, you know, we cook six racks, but usually we can we can pick the two that we're going to end up turning in before we even cook them. So usually those are the two that end up going in the box nine out of ten times. Tim, similar process as, as these two guys, or do you deviate a little bit? Well, I mean, one thing that I disagree a little bit on that I do a little different is, um, and probably it might come back to bite me, I've... I've heard some people say they don't really care what they look like, and but uh, I've always believed if you if they don't get that first impression, if it doesn't look exactly perfect, and that's what I strive for on all my boxes, regardless whether it's ribs or not. But I want my ribs to be straight. I want the backs of them to be even, and if they're not that way, I'm really unhappy with them going in the box. I mean, of course, I want the taste and texture to be right up there with that, but I really make I really uh, make an effort to make sure that my presentation is all nines because I want to start with that. All right, uh, let's go to Scott Nelson for this one. When you're when you're cutting them out, uh, do you go single bone or do you go with that uh, Cadillac cut? We uh, we did the Cadillac cut quite a bit last year, but uh, this year we've done pretty much straight single bone cuts, and it's worked out pretty well. Tim Grant, uh, Cadillac cuts or single bone willies? Um, single, single bone. And uh, John Patty, caddies or uh, just singles? Just yeah, it depends on which one we're cooking. If we're, if we're running baby backs, we're going single. If we're running uh, spare, we're going to go Cadillac. All right, uh, Tim, let's uh, stay with you here. Will the turn-ins usually come from one slab, or most of the time are you pulling from the, the multiple slabs that you're cooking? Um. 
it all really depends on the cook. I mean, I try, you know, like I said, I cook five slabs because I'm trying to turn in from one slab. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll actually turn in from two slabs. I turn in 10 bones. I try to fill the box. Um, you know, if I have to, um, I'm pulling, I'm pulling bones, multiple slabs. Um, if I have to. John, are you usually pulling bones from multiple slabs as well, or do you try and just go from one? Uh, last weekend, I wish I would have went with one one rat. I went from two, and it killed us. <laughs> so it, that's tough. That's tough, man. Yeah, take the best of the best, and, and if it takes three racks to get the best of the best, you got to run with it. you got to run with it. Scott, we'll end it with you. Are you pulling from uh, multiple racks the majority of the time or not so much? Yeah, I would say 90% of the time or more we're pulling from uh, from two racks. We try and go four on four and one rack on the bottom, one rack on the top. We try and keep them together. All right, Tim, any other thing, any other items that you're doing prior to shutting that lid down and, and running those ribs over to the tent? Did you say Tim? Tim, yes. Um, you know, just making making sure they're perfect. I mean, that's really, really, you know, we, we do five and five, and um, you really can't see much of what I've got underneath of it, maybe a little bit of green, but uh, just making sure the box is clean, making sure that the ribs are, you know, aligned perfectly so if they do tip, tip the box up, they're not tipping over. Um, you know, just making sure that everything is perfect before I shut that lid. John, anything else that you're doing prior to running the box over to the tent? Nope. Cross my fingers. And, uh, Scott, anything else that you're doing prior to closing that box up and taking it for a run? Yeah, before we, uh, after we cut them, before we put them in the box, we always uh, sprinkle happy ending on the ribs. Uh, everything gives it a little extra flavor, gives it that, there's that one bite that's going to stand out in their mouth. And then uh, otherwise we're just trying to make the box look as good as possible and send it off. All right, so uh, let's get to the parting shots portion of the show. This is where I turn it over to the panel members, and they uh, can feel free to promote any products that they have or where they're going to be cooking us, whatever the case may be. And uh, we'll go ahead and start with Scott Nelson. Yeah, the only thing that I have to add is that uh, one of my sponsors, or my only sponsor, Big Papa Smokers, is having a Kings of the Barbecue contest uh, coming up, 24 teams that he's inviting. So if you get an invite... Uh, make sure that you reply to him, or if you want to get an invite, make sure you send him over an email. Kings of the Barbecue is December, early December. It's a $50,000 contest, 24 teams, no parsley in the boxes. He provides all the meat. You have to cook his meat, and he provides uh, hotel rooms and entry fees. So, that's about it. All right. Uh, now, you're also third overall for Team of the Year, so will you be making a concerted effort to, to try and win Team of the Year this year, Scott? We didn't start off the year that way, but uh, we hit a couple contests. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna give, a, give it a run. We'll see how it goes. We're kind of going week to week. If we can hit uh, one or two more here, we'll definitely play it out to the end of the year. All right, that's uh, Scott Nelson from Pigskin Barbecue. Up next, John Patty from JP Custom Smoke, uh, sitting number two right now in ribs. Uh, John, what do you or JP? What are you looking to, to to get off and get out there for people to buy and tell people about? Well, actually, we have our rub on the market. JP Custom Blend, and uh, you can find it off of jpcustomsmoke.com. Or if I'm going to be at a contest, I'd be more than happy to bring it to you. 
uh, I'm not as fortunate as those other guys. I am running out of vacation, so I've got I've got uh, the Royal left and and one other. I don't know which one that's going to be, but uh, just when you run out of vacation, you got to quit playing. It's a lot of fun, and and uh, I wish those guys good luck that can take it out to the end. So a uh, couple of years, I'm going to retire early, and and maybe we can play with you a little bit harder. I would like to say. Uh, I appreciate my sponsorship from Butcher Barbecue and Rooters Barbecue out of uh, Texas. We use both of their products, our wood sponsor, and we were building a handful of pits a year. We're referring our pit building to Rooters Barbecue, which links off to R&O Smokers, and uh, we're going to be cooking on one of their smokers. We'll have one of their smokers at the American yeah. Royal. It's uh, like a backwoods, and we're curious, and we're going to play. It's it's just a game. All right, that's uh, John Patty from JP Custom Smoke, and we'll finish with uh, Tim Grant of True Bud Barbecue, currently third in ribs for the uh, KCBS and uh, eighth overall for Team of the Year right now. Uh, go ahead, Tim. Well, um, I would say as far as uh, you know, we don't. Uh, I don't have a. I don't have a sauce of my own. Um, you know, out there that's on the on the shelves or no no uh, no seasoning as well. But that's something definitely uh, we're thinking about getting out there for next year. Um, probably what we're looking at is a, a rib sauce, maybe marketing that because um, we're really really fond of um, our rib sauce that we make, but. Uh, and don't let Scott from Big Skin fool you because he's going to be cooking every weekend for the to the rest of the year. So he's definitely a competitor. Uh, and Scott- uh, you know that's basically our same. You know we're 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 gonna we're gonna hit the trail too till till there isn't any more contests and see what we can do. I mean sometimes that's about all you can do, but um, that's what we're working at. For the very bitter end, uh, Tim. Let me ask you this: uh, We I asked you a number of months ago when this bet came down with Chad Ward from Whiskey Bend Barbecue. Is my hair still safe? Is there no way that uh, Bubba Latimer is going to leapfrog over you by the end of the year? Yeah, there's no way. I mean, that that, uh, that hair of yours is safe, and uh, oh, you know, he, yes, he might he might as well go buy some shears because uh, he's going to have to be needing them toward the end of the year. I'm absolutely ecstatic about that. All right, uh, we're talking with Scott Nelson from Pigskin Barbecue, Tim Grant from True Bud. And John Patty from JP Custom Smoke, breaking it all down from start to finish when it comes to competition ribs. Uh, gentlemen, appreciate you taking time tonight. Continued success, and we'll talk to you all guys soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Greg. Greg. Appreciate it. There they are. Another successful roundtable after cataclysmic issues, and not in the good way, with uh, the technical difficulty. But we got it ironed out. We did good. We finished. We finished strong in the end. And in the end, it doesn't even matter. That's what. That's what uh, Lincoln Park says. Lincoln Park. All right, uh, quickly. You know, Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply is helping you from unsavory business people, creeping marauders on the Internet. They're out there. Sometimes you want a product. Maybe... Your town doesn't have it. Next town doesn't have it either. Three towns over doesn't have it. What are you going to do? You're going to skip it. You're going to have to get on that internet. The internet grip sets in. The hands start to sweat. Your neck tightens. You've been jammed up on the internet before, and you don't want it to happen again. After all, this is your hard-earned money we are talking about, and you need to feel confident that the company you're dealing with is honest and fair. 
I can screw you. Great news. Fred Bernardo and the gang over Tasty Licks BBQ will relieve you of your internet buying stress. Tasty Licks has one of the most complete inventories of barbecue and grilling items anywhere on the face of the earth. All the items that you see on Fred's website are in stock, and they are ready to ship to you directly. Now, are there other places on the Internet that might have an item cheaper, perhaps? But are you 100% confident that you're actually going to get the item that you're buying? How long is it going to take to you in regards to shipping? All great questions. No one has any answer to with 100% assurity. Except that when you buy from Tasty Lake's Barbecue Supply, the items are in the store. They're going to ship to you promptly. Everything in the store is priced fairly as well. You want to try and work a special deal with Fred? He's a businessman. I'm sure, he'll field your phone call. You guys can work out some type of uh, special backroom deal. Who knows? Tasty Looks carries grills, smokers, ceramic cookers, electric cookers, various charcoal types, wood chunks, chips, cookbooks, accessories. If they don't have it, you don't need it. And on top of all of that, Fred carries a lot of the other show sponsors' items in his store as well. So it's almost like you're doing a two for one shopping at a sponsor and buying a sponsor's products. It's the best of both worlds. Don't forget the Tasty Licks carries their own line of rubs and sauces as well that are doing uh, very well on the competition circuit. Fred, some uh, reserve grands. He's won some categories, so be on the lookout. Try him. He'll be happy you did. Head on over to TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's TastyLicksBBQ.com. And let that confidence exude from you as you make your online purchases. Enjoy the items upon delivery. Don't forget that Fred and his gang are there to help you after the sale as well. TastyLicksBBQ.com. We wrap up the show right after this. Stick around. I'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back, four minutes shy of top of the hour. I want to thank Tim Grant, Scott Nelson, and John Patty of JP Custom Smoke again for the Ribs Roundtable. Look, it sounds great. You get to hear a lot of wonderful information being disseminated with literally three the three best rib cooks as it stands right now at this very point in time. Nobody's cooking ribs better than them consistently since the season has started. That's why you have these standings. So to get them involved in this show, some of them might have other interests coming on. I think there was only one part of information that was denied. It's fair. I mean, this is just great information. If you And as always, if you miss any part of the show, you can always go to the website, subscribe on iTunes, all that good stuff that you can find through the show notes. And uh, we're more than happy to, to replay or I'll, I'll leave, shoot an email to me. I'll send you right over where you need to go. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, first guest of the first hour, Chad Ward, Whiskey Bent Barbecue. Again, congratulations on your first year. Down, Chad. Good job. Sam Zion, Sam the Cooking Guy, the SamLiveCast.com. Check it out. It airs every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is a live cooking show with a radio show feel to it because they talk a lot about the daily topics. And then they cook. Every time they cook, it's great. Love it. We also had Chris Hart from IQ Barbecue going down to the Jack Daniels 11 times in a row now. He won it back in 2009, by the way, if you need it. And then in the second hour, we had Tim Grant, Scott Nelson, J.P. Custom Smoke. If we go in order, Scott Nelson, number one, J.P. Custom Smoke, number two, Tim Grant, number three, as far as ribs are concerned. And those would be Pigskin Barbecue, J.P. Custom Smoke, and True Bud Barbecue. 
Tim says my hair is safe. Soften. A big show lined up for next week as always. If you're using raw cast iron, be sure you treat it each and every time with a little pan, a little Crisco, let it burn in as it starts to cool down to get rust-free service for generations to come. And of course, September 11, 2001, rapidly approaching September 11, by the way. Um, but hey, look, I know you don't. I know I don't. September 11, 2001, I will never forget. Until I see you back here next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.